Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I can think of no reason. It's podcasting season. Lest we forgot. That that was very good. Thank you. I, I'm genuinely, that's the most impressive <laughs> intro I think you've ever done for any of our episodes. I'll take it. You know what? I will take yeah. it. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't even I, I feel like what I have isn't good enough to, to go after that. Well, you better follow that up, you know? You yeah, better. I'm gonna try. Welcome in everybody Ooh. to another episode of Totem Talks. Uh this is our year in music uh for the year nineteen sixty seven, and we have hit November. Yeah. We're eleven twelfths of the way there. Yeah, time is flying. We are we are cruising along. And it's going to be really interesting for us to come up with another idea now. Our our non-linears yeah. have been really taken up by this linear series. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. But if you are uh, new or questioning what the heck is going on right now. Uh, <laughs> how, what is this audio? What, what am I hearing? <laughs> yeah, wait. Help. Who are these voices? Uh, you are listening to Totem Talks. And we have been taking month by month throughout the year, uh, the year 1967, in music and, to a lesser extent, culture and culture, times, yeah. uh, but mostly focusing on the musical aspect, and just kind of doing a little bit of a deeper dive, uh, births, deaths, album releases, kind of historical moments throughout the year, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really yes. interesting for me because I just go in blind every time, and Nick gets right. to tell me fun things about music. I do. And if you are stumbling upon this as your first episode of Totem Talks, uh, please go and check the previous months of our year in music. But also, there is a a show, a weekly episode that we put out every every week. That's how that works. Every month we put <laughs> every out a month, weekly episode. Every month. No, every week we put out a new episode uh, where we compare and contrast musical artists to, over time, find the greatest musical act of all time. Right, and uh, it is quite a journey. It has been, yeah, it has been. Well, shall we get into things? I think we shall. Okay, because I got another kind of big month. I'm going to be honest with you. Like we've had a lot of months where there were just like some incredible releases, uh, some of the greatest months in music history. This one is going to be another contender uh, in terms of like some of the greatest months in the history of of music in terms of everything that gets released here. Wow. Uh, not to spoil too much, but it starts off right away on November 1st Okay, um, with one of, I think, the most important releases of the 1960s. And definitely of the psychedelic movement, it's one that we've listened to for the regular show, and we both waxed poetic about. Uh, Forever Changes by Love oh, comes out November yes. first, which is a f- really truly fantastic record. Like if it's it's one of those if you don't know it, like please go listen to it because Love maybe the band name didn't carry as well out of the '60s as some of the other ones, but the record is immaculate. You just love Love, you know. <clears throat> You do. You do. And, I mean, it's a record that's in the Grammy Hall of Fame. It was ranked uh, 180 on the most recent Rolling Stones Top 500 Albums, 37 on Enemies Top 500 Albums, number 12 on Colin Larkin's 1,000 Albums to Hear Before You Die, uh, and it was voted the 11th greatest album of all time by readers of Mojo Magazine. So, those are some credentials, I would say. It's got quite the resume. Yeah, exactly. So, please definitely check it out. Um 
And then on the second, one of our other uh, kind of enduring themes of this year has been keeping up, at least in part, with the goings-on of the, the Vietnam War. Because that's kind of inextricably linked to the music and the culture of the time. Uh, and <laughs> on on November 2nd of this year, uh, President Johnson held a secret meeting in the White House. Uh, he put together a group of uh, former officials whose advice, you know, he was he trusted that he wanted to, to hear from. And, you know, he wasn't asking them, you know, is this war a good idea or not? Should we stop? <laughs> he was asking, how can we unite the American people behind the war effort? Because not being in part of the war was never an option. Um, and so the panel, which is referred to in history now as the wise men, which was uh, Dean Acheson, uh, McGeorge Bundy, Clark Clifford, Henry Cabot Lodge Jr., and Maxwell Taylor, they all urged the president to continue the war effort and to give the American people more optimistic reports on the war's progress uh, based on their conclusion that the United States was winning the war effort. Okay. And history, of course, uh, totally bared them out to all be correct. We won Vietnam, uh, and they became a very successful capitalist country uh, immediately thereafter, by January 1968. And that is exactly right. And nothing bad ever happened. No, that you're exactly so, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were, they, they were spot on. What can I say? Well, maybe we just didn't use <laughs> enough donkeys. That's, I think that was the issue. Uh, <laughs> But from one just disaster right on to the next, uh, on November 5th, uh, there, 49 people were killed in a train accident. Oh, my. Uh, and 78 more were injured. There was a British Rail Express train that derailed outside London. Um, they were people who were coming in from a seaside weekend uh, in Hastings. And uh, not that it's as important, but they investigated and found out there, there was a piece of rail that was broken and poorly supported. Um, and it just like wasn't able to handle the the weight of that locomotive that went over it. Right. But the thing, the thing that really ties this in, the reason why I had to mention it is, I mean, of all the, the horrible things that happened, the, the people who lost their lives and who were severely injured, one person who uh, survived that horrible accident and walked away okay was uh, Robin Gibb. Oh. Robin Gibb was on that train. Well, lucky for him. Yeah, and I guess and lucky, lucky for, for the rest yeah. of the world because we got the BGS. Uh, Jeez, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You've come out the gate with some real downers. You I were have. like, "Oh, so, love, awesome." Also, a lot, and of then death. it gets a lot. Yeah, um, a lot of bad, bad stuff is going to happen, but good stuff too. So just, just hang in there with me, okay? Because, like, I have to bring this up because it's already the third time this year. The Monkees released their third studio album of 1967 on November 6th. It was called Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited. Okay. It was their fourth album overall. It was their fourth consecutive album to be number one in the United States. Uh, and what's actually kind of interesting that you might not expect is it's one of, not ne not necessarily the first, but one of the first albums that used a Moog synthesizer uh, on the tracks. Yes. Uh However, it also contained zero songs that I was familiar with from reading the track list. So, I mean, statistically, that would have been just so tough with how many, <laughs> how many songs sure. they've had to release. They're busy right. men. That's true. But uh, there, there was one song recorded for these sessions that I know very well, that I love very much. It's a wonderful little song by the Monkees. Uh, during these sessions, they recorded 
Daydream Believer, which oh, they released yeah. only as a single, and it would go on to be their last number one single of the band's career. And then on November 7th, we move up to Canada. We head up north. Okay, okay. Uh, Hello, Canadian friends. You're not going to like this. Ah. This was it. I regret what they did was so cheery. Yeah. They were particularly un-Canadian that day because the Supreme Court of Canada, by a three-to-two decision, upheld uh, the Dominion's harsh sentencing law against homosexuality in the criminal code and directed Uh. that George Clippert continue to serve an indeterminate sentence up to life imprisonment. Clippert had been convicted of four charges of gross indecency for having consensual sex with other men, and the prosecutor pursued a classification under another code as a dangerous sexual offender. Good. Good. <laughs> that's that's what you want. Yeah. That's Just... that's the Canada we know and love. Ugh. Come on, Canada. You're supposed to be the best of us. I know. I know. That was not their day. That was not their day. But in the United States, other stuff was happening here. Uh, again, we've got President Johnson. But now he's doing some stuff that has a lot more to do with uh, the future of music because he signed the Public Broadcasting Act of 1967 into law that day. Oh, good. Which established the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Uh, President Johnson used the occasion to acknowledge the growth of communication over the previous century and to describe his vision of the future. And I'll quote him here. I believe the time has come to enlist the computer and the satellite as well as television and radio uh, and to enlist them in the cause of education. I think we must consider new ways to build uh, a great network for knowledge, not just a broadcast system, but one that employs every means of sending and of storing information that the individual uh, can rise. Think of the lives that this would change. A student at a small college could top the resources of a great university, a country doctor, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have to go on any further, but this would, uh, you know, change everybody's lives a little bit, having uh, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Um, and it would be used for a, a whole lot of different things. Yeah, that sounds... And there it is. That, so, that's like, a, a great idea. Yeah, we we tried to balance out our fellow North Americans who were, who were not doing as well that day. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Just, just a rough... It is what it is. A yeah. rough month so far, really. So, uh, on the 9th, and I mentioned this last month we're as it was getting prepared. I know. We're going to start moving quickly. Um, but the first issue of Rolling Stone magazine, dated November 9th, 1967, uh, made its debut as a newspaper printed and distributed in and around San Francisco. So good for okay. They have obviously gone on to become one of like the most important uh, musical magazines ever. Yeah. Uh, and, and Definitely uh, tastemakers <laughs> and... Uh, Creators you know, of very divisive ranking lists. Extremely divisive, yeah. Um, but all in all, perhaps a good thing, I would say. Um, and that brings us to the 10th. We're just going to roll right along. Now, I love it. I did mention to you that this was a, a great month for, for studio releases. However, we've only discussed Love's Forever Changes. However, November 10th is arguably... One of, if not the greatest single days in the history of music releases. Okay. Because there are two albums that were released this day that I would consider all-time greats and definitively amongst my top favorite albums of all time. Mm, Interesting. So uh, one of the albums was the Moody Blues Days of Future Past. Okay. Which was, I mean, it's a symphonic rock epic. Uh, It's a... counted amongst the very first progressive rock records it was recorded with the london festival orchestra 
it's I, I mean, in my opinion, probably one of the, if not the best um, marriages of orchestral and rock music ever made. Sure. Really. Um, I mean, I think the whole album is pretty much an A-plus from beginning to end. The two songs that were kind of cut and turned into singles were probably two of their biggest hits ever, Tuesday Afternoon, and of course, Nights in White Satin, which is probably like the, That's the Moody one. Blues song. Which and one of the greatest songs of all time. I mean, in in my opinion, but but the whole album really stands up uh, with the strength of the singles as well, and paints a great picture. It's it's a wonderful concept album. And if you didn't think that was enough, uh, Cream's Disraeli Gears was also released <coughs> on that very same day. Wow, which is a classic record um, in the psychedelic blues genre, arguably where the genre of psychedelic blues combination peaked. Um, it's in the Grammy Hall of Fame. It was ranked number 170 on the most recent Rolling Stone Top 500 albums. It's it's an all-time classic, uh, and for good reason, because it's got a lot of Cream's greatest hits, but also the deeper cuts are excellent on that record as well. And and the last song, Mother's Lament, will always be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get enough of that one. <laughs> I'm very aware that that is your... It's so much fun. Maybe your favorite song of all time. Maybe, maybe I should. I'd have to. I'd have to think about it again. But it's up there. Um, but anyway, so there we go. Three like absolute uh, classic and important <coughs> albums released yeah. so far this month. I mean, I would call that uh, overall. I would say, just off the top of my head, the second most influential release in music history today. Yeah, with the first there being April first, twenty twenty one. Right, of course. Historians I don't look know back if, at, right. at the release of, of course, yes, of albums on that day. Yeah, all of them. Anyway, on the 14th, uh, in honestly, like one of the greatest concert bills of all time, uh, like a con- if I could only go back to 1967 to see this, uh, Pink Floyd was added to a 16-date UK tour as an opener for the Jimi Hendrix experience. God, like how it. cool would it be to go out and see Pink Floyd and Jimi Hendrix in one night? People didn't know what they were getting. They did not realize that, like how important that would be retrospectively. How can uh, you, right? I mean, yeah, phew. yeah. How could you? Okay, the eighteenth. I've got good and I've got bad. Do you have a preference as to which you'd like to hear first? I mean, start with the bad, I guess. I figured as, much. and then try to cheer me up. <clears throat> right. So back on the war front, we've been talking about Vietnam a little bit. Um, yeah. So the Viet Cong on this date announced that they were going to honor a seven-day ceasefire for the Tet holiday, um, which has celebrated the start of the lunar year right. um, in North Vietnam and South Vietnam. Uh, so the invitation, and it's, of course, it was accepted by the United States and South Vietnam, uh, became the prelude to, I'm sure you've heard of, probably one of the most famous parts of the Vietnam War, the Tet Offensive, three days into that ceasefire, um, the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese staged a massive surprise attack against the U.S. and South Viet, uh, Vietnamese forces. So they're like, hey, let's have a ceasefire. And then we were like, yeah, all right, a ceasefire. And then they were like, ha, 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 gotcha sleeping. Yeah. So. I have, unfortunately. I knew that one was coming. Yeah. Uh, so. Which, yeah. It was at this time but, that I believe the helicopters playing Fortunate Sun started. Started rolling in. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, on the home front, though, good things happen because 
another all-time classic album was released. This time it was Buffalo Springfield's Buffalo Springfield Again. Another album that was ranked uh, highly on the Rolling Stones' top 500 list. It was ranked at 188 on the first two iterations of the list, but I couldn't see where it was ranked on the most recent. Um, The album's track, Rock and Roll Woman, which I think is really interesting. It allegedly includes vocals by David Crosby, who possibly had a hand in writing the song, but maybe wasn't necessarily given credit for that. Um, Like, Stephen Stills acknowledged that the, like the idea for the song came from jamming with David Crosby, but he was never officially given credit for the track. Well, so I guess he was but it okay with be, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it happened pre Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So yeah. like clearly it was okay because I was going to say shortly after this, you know, it wouldn't be too long before Stills and his bandmate in Buffalo Springfield, Neil Young, would of course unite with Crosby for that. Um, then. <laughs> Man, uh, November was a really good time to just get everything wrong about the war in Vietnam, because on the 21st, uh, General William Westmoreland told the National Press Club, and I quote, I am absolutely certain that whereas in 1965 the enemy was winning, today he is certainly losing. We have reached an important point when the end begins to come into view. I mean, listen, for all intents and purposes, if you look in our history books, there's a big W next to this war. <laughs> I mean, people like it, it, there's definitive like we suffered massive casualties, but overall we won the war. And then I ask, in what in sense? what way? We got we got nothing that we wanted and left. We lost. We lost the Vietnam War. Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, but what are you some whatever. type of political so, science major? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess, like, you just have to say these things for for morale's sake, or maybe we could have just not fought the war. But anyway, uh, on November 22nd, a very important recording happens. Ooh, I love it. Very important, because if this recording didn't happen when it did, it may never have happened at all, which we'll get more into why, unfortunately, in the ultimate episode of this series. Uh, but Otis Redding on that day recorded Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Yeah. Yeah, and we're very grateful that he recorded it then because had he waited just a few more weeks to finish that up uh, and get the recording done, he wouldn't have been with us to make the recording any longer. Yes, so. which which was quite the revelation when we covered Otis on the actual, like on the normal episodes. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, it, he came in right under the wire on literally yep. his biggest song and one of the biggest songs yep. ever. Yep. We're grateful for it, but very sad, because Otis was a gem. Yes. And then, on the 27th, because we're just rolling right through, yet another all-time classic album was released, and it was the second album release that this band had in this year, and their first release was also an all-time classic. Uh, This time, it's Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles that is released. Wow. arguably at least at times one of the some of their most experimental and psychedelic uh work obviously the white album would have a lot of that as well so 55 um, years to the day huh 55! oh because we're recording this go. on the 27th you're, you're not wrong you're right today <laughs> is the 55 year anniversary of magical mystery tour then very I cool. can't I can't believe you weren't ready for that button push. Though. I wasn't even thinking about what day it was. It'll only ever be 55 been. years today. You're right. 
yeah, now is the only time. Okay. Um, and then, anyway, uh, last thing, last thing on the 30th. Uh, another thing that is going to become, like, a huge problem in the future. Sort of oh, like good. the whole Tet Offensive thing that, like, it was announced in 67 and it happened in 68. Uh, in 67, on November 30th, Eugene McCarthy announced his candidacy for the 1968 Democratic Party presidential nomination. Uh, and, of course, we all know that the 1968 Democratic National Convention was a huge success in Chicago. There was no rioting. There was no, like, subverting the will of the voters in any way. There weren't, like, multiple musicians outside protesting and playing music against the the person who was chosen, who would, of course, eventually lose to Richard Nixon. Um, Hold on. Nick. I want to let you know, the way you're saying that implies that all of those things did happen. Really? Yeah, I just want to be clear. I don't know why I would say that. I didn't mean to imply anything. I, I don't even know what that means. So. Oh, good. Uh, albums. Other albums from this from this month. <laughs> Quick, albums. Bring them in. Bring them in, al- bring in yes. the albums. We had uh, In a Mellow Mood by The Temptations. We had uh, After Bathing at Baxter's by Jefferson Airplane. We had Butterfly by The Hollies, which would be the last Hollies album to feature Graham Nash for uh, a couple decades. Uh, And we also had, you're going to love this, an eponymous debut by the Amboy Dukes. Okay. The Amboy Dukes, of course, being the band that would launch Ted Nugent's career. Yeah, I... I, I was ready with a smile when you said eponymous debut. I know. And that yeah, sunk a little bit. And then I said a band with Ted Nugent. But yeah. there was one other album that's a great album uh, that was released in this month that I wanted to touch upon, which was, of course, I Feel Like I'm Fixin' to Die by <sighs> Country Joe and the Fish. Yeah. Which is another record that we had very kind things to say about on the uh, regular version of the podcast. And, of course, it is named after the title track, which is an absolutely iconic anti-war song. One of the, the all-time great um, yeah. protest songs, I think. And then that brings us to birthdays. Uh, on the 3rd of November, Stephen Wilson of Porcupine Tree. And also, if you're a prog head like myself, you'll, you've probably noticed over the last several years, Stephen Wilson has done remixes of like all of the classic prog albums and Pink Floyd and Yes and a bunch of other groups. Um, on the seventh, David Guetta, who does a lot of pop music, if you're familiar with him. Yeah, he's like all over the place. <laughs> he's like pretty huge. Uh, on the 25th, Rodney Shepard, who was the guitarist for Sugar Ray. And on the 26th, uh, John Sturratt, who is the bassist for Wilco. And now I'm going to throw this in. I have no idea. This is a guy who is not a musician. But like, I feel like if I said his name... This is I don't know why I feel this way, but you're going to be like, oh, my God, you know, he can actually sing. He was in this one movie where he sang a song, blah, 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 blah. So I get this vibe from this guy, and Uh, it could be totally wrong. Maybe he was never in a movie where he sang. But it's just the kind of thing that I think you're going to say to me, strangely enough. Uh, Mark Ruffalo was born on the 22nd. I have no recollection on whether or not Mark Ruffalo (laughs) can sing. Fair enough. I just figured I'd throw it out there. I saw his name. and I was like, oh, Mark Ruffalo. I like him. He, I mean, hey, good guy. Yeah. Well, I think good guy. I mean, seems like an okay probably. Guy. I mean, well, I haven't heard any evidence to the contrary yet. Uh there are. There's a video of him singing "This Land Is Your Land." If you oh, no. if you Google Mark Ruffalo singing, uh, it looks like Great. it's some type of interesting moment. I don't know Great. what's happening. 
<laughs> All right. Well, let's let's not get into it then. I am done. November is over. November is over. That's crazy. Release me. I will. I will release you from November to immediately to December. Thank you. But just know that uh, you're not really released yet. You have one more month to go. I then I'll let you back out into the world. Thank you. I'll let you back into 2022 at that point. <laughs> yeah, just in time for it to be over. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I'll tell you what. A pretty depressing month. But with a couple music. With a, a couple lot of decent music. musical moments. But overall, really a, a downer. A couple decent musical moments, he says, about like some of these all-time great records. Okay, okay. I'm just talking about like... You know, the multiple, like, casually, casualty-inducing days, and... Uh, yeah. But, yes, yeah. some good, some all-time great musical moments, according to Nick, and according to me, but mostly... Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to, to weigh out the positives and negatives. You left me... I understand. ...haunted by the past, truly. I'm sorry. But hey, that's going to wrap us up for this fine episode of A Year in Music 1967. Yeah, it was fine. Whatever, man. <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed this, please check out our previous releases, uh, January through October. And then also stay tuned for December. And check out our regular weekly episodic podcast. And while you're doing all that, maybe like, maybe comment, maybe subscribe. Maybe do all those fun things. But most importantly, and I can't stress this enough, have a great day. Mm-hmm.